soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. He wants to wash that clear. He wants to restore good credit before the kingdom. But you never had good credit because you were born in Adam, and Adam all sin and die, as was I, as we all are. But this shrewd, this shrewd steward, he's leveraging himself. He's applying something. It's worldly, but it's a plan. Listening to Alex's study from Genesis 32 on the life of Jacob, he brought up how Jacob was such a shrewd guy. He was. He had a plan. I always say Jacob had... I mean, he's the old, he had plans, man. That guy had plans. I was laughing out loud when I was listening to Alex's study because that's just how it is. Listen, we don't want to stumble blindly or desensitize to reality into the day of accountability of our stewardship before the Lord. We want to ask, what shall I do? I will resolve to do something, and I will make something happen. And in our case, it's repentance and faith and obedience. And verse 6 even said, sit down quickly and write 50. You notice there's an urgency, right? Notice in the story, there's an urgency from this unjust steward for his accountability. He's like, hey, do it quickly. I'll settle right now. 50 on the dollar. Let's, let's make this happen. And look what it says. The master commended him. There are actions of this servant. And that's my key thought here on this first point, are the actions of the servant. He took action. He asked the right question, what shall I do? He resolved to take action, and he made things happen, and he did it with urgency, and from this unjust owner, master, he was commended because he dealt shrewdly. So if we apply this in a positive off this negative, would not the Lord honor in our lives us asking ourselves, what shall I do to make things right with the Lord in failed stewardship? What must I resolve to do this moment? Who can I see and settle debts with that will honor the Lord? You know, my sister's had to settle debts in her recovery from drug and alcohol abuse, you know, and all the programs. There's a lot of resolution. And when she saw her son, Jimmy, for the first time in five years, just a week ago, she had $1,000 for Jimmy. And she insisted that Jimmy take it. And he said, I don't want your money, Mom. And, you know, it's, it's just the fact that they're in the same room and that there was peace. It was amazing. I told you last Saturday, my mom called. She was so excited. But my sister said, no, because in my recovery process, I must make right wrongs. And in this case, I can. And when I was on drugs, I stole that silver bar from you that was worth over $1,000. And I sold it for drugs. And on this day, I'm making restitution and making it right. Now, Cousin Jimmy doesn't completely understand that to the same degree my sister would, but he did receive the money, and rightfully so. We make right what's wrong. You have to 
See? So if this guy's making right what's wrong for a master that's worldly, how much more would God honor when we make right what's wrong for eternity? Is not that a great mark for my sister's account in making wrongs right? Do we not want to step into eternity with peace in our stewardship that we don't have, of all things that you don't want on your account of debt on a day of accountability for stewardship is unforgiveness and unreconciliation where there could have been forgiveness and reconciliation. Listen, there's people that you probably want to, there's people we all probably want to say we're sorry to who are already gone. And we just have to give that to the Lord. But there's people that are alive that maybe we need to tell them we're sorry. Make that right. The three great equities. Purity, suffering, and forgiveness in the kingdom of God. Those are three things in your character that will transcend time, space, and matter. Purity, suffering, and forgiveness. God puts a huge premium on those assets in your eternal wealth portfolio. I have never seen as much from this story as I have in reading it and meditating upon it in preparation. I listened to Pastor Chuck's uh, message from this story from the early 80s. This is very good. We learn from the steward, we should ask, are we okay? If the master's calling all debt right now in the stewardship and calling the accountability of who we are on the day of Christ Jesus, it's good to say, what shall I do? Joey, you're going to stand before the Lord at 11 p.m. tonight. What shall you do? And hopefully it's like, Pull up a chair and wait. It's a good thing to think about. Now, we read on. Jesus then said in verse 10, he who is faithful with his least is faithful also with much. So a big element of understanding stewardship is faithfulness in the little things. This is a biblical principle that if we're faithful in the little things, we'll be faithful in larger things. Again, we go back to Joseph in Egypt, the son of Jacob, sold into slavery by his brothers, He was faithful as a teenager in his dad's house. His dad trusted him and honored him for his faithfulness. His dad didn't trust his older brothers because in many cases there's good reason not to. It's revealed to us why he wouldn't trust his firstborn and others. But he trusted Joseph, not just because he was the son of Rachel. He trusted Joseph because he was worthy to be trusted. He was faithful. He was faithful in Potiphar's house. You know, it says of Joseph that he prospered wherever he went and the Lord gave him favor wherever he went. He had purity. He had suffering and he had forgiveness, didn't he? He had the purity when Potiphar's wife was relentless after him. He had the suffering for righteousness sake in prison for two years. How many here would endure prison for two years? First for moral integrity and purity. And then he forgave his brothers. There in Genesis 50, 20, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about the current situation for the saving of many lives. Joseph was faithful in little things. And in one day, he went from the prison to the palace. The faithfulness is in the character and the integrity of who you are as a young woman and a young man. And it's established in being, as Shakespeare said, to thy own self be true. And if our self-identity is in Jesus Christ, it is to Christ to whom we're being true. And 
our standards, we don't have to say we have a biblical worldview. We just need to say we have the mind of Christ. Because of him and by him and through him and for him are all things. So faithfulness is being faithful to the word of God and to our own conscience as we view our life to Christ as it receives the word of God. And if we're faithful with little, we'll be entrusted with more. You look at Pastor Chuck, all those small churches all over the Southwest back in the, the, the 50s and the 60s. His memoir, Grace Book, has some amazing stories of things he went through. I mentioned this before he passed away. Pastor Chuck Smith from Calvary Costa Mesa. I was at a pastor's conference in uh, Tucson where he had formerly pastored. And he got up at that conference with probably between 800 and 1,500 people in that large Calvary Chapel sanctuary there in Tucson. And he taught from Timothy and he talked about being faithful in the ministry. And I actually started to cry because this is when Pastor Chuck had lung cancer, a man who never smoked. And there he is talking about being faithful in the ministry. And I said, my God, Lord, I can't be the only person catching in this moment right now. But this man planted a church, this man pastored a small four square church here in this city 50 years ago with Cain. He labored in this community by faith, in obedience. He worked at Safeway as a grocery checker. And here he is in the end of his life with terminal illness on display for all these people to see, telling all these spiritual leaders from Colorado and Wyoming and Arizona and Utah, be faithful to do the work of the ministry that God has entrusted to you. Be faithful to teach his word. It was a short message. I thought, oh my, this is, this is incredible because I see this, the 60 years of separation of faithfulness in obscurity and hear the fruit of sowing bountifully 60 years later in his final chapter and season. I praise the Lord for that. That when that event was happening, I was also attuned to what really I was able to put those pieces together and just be completely, profoundly in awe of it. I want to make very clear to all of us tonight, the Bible, the history of men and women of faith in the Old Testament, the history of the church, prove a universal principle like gravity and sowing and reaping that if we are faithful in the little things, God will entrust to us greater things. It really is every test that we go through in marriage and family, in the neighborhood, in the community, as a citizen of a nation, in the church, our employment, every test that tests our character is a test of faithfulness. And as we pass the test of faithfulness in the little things, because God is in the little details. He sees and he knows. You look at David and all that he went through in his persecutions from King Saul, his father-in-law. And when he finally became king, he'd been so tested by so many things. In David's test, you might say, but wait a second, Joey. David committed adultery. David had multiple wives. David killed Uriah one of his mighty men. 
David fiend madness among the Philistines. Joey, how can you say that David passed test to be the greatest king, the king that Jesus takes the title of, son of David, Bartimaeus, have mercy on me. How can you say that he was faithful in the little things? I can point to one, more than one, but one key critical thing about David. David was merciful. And he understood God's mercy and he showed God's mercy. Of course, he had a heart for the Lord. But he was a merciful king. And that is why every king is compared to David. His son built way more things. Had prettier wives, had more wives, had more wealth, had gold, had this, had that. His son built the temple with his father's resources. But David was faithful in mercy, and our God is merciful. The little things. It's the little things. God wants you and I to be faithful in the little things. The little things with our time. The little things with our energy. The little things with our resources. And as we're faithful with these little things, when we govern ourselves, when we're self-governed through our faith in Jesus Christ, we're not governed because the boss is there or the neighbors are there or our spouse is there or anyone else could be there. We are self-governed, self-accountable to be governed by the Lord. And we choose the government of the Lord Jesus Christ, not because the president or the Supreme Court or Congress imposes it. We choose it by willful, volitional choice because we're wise and we choose to be governed by the Lord. We choose to accept responsibility for the new covenant, how it applies to our life. We choose to come under the blood. We choose to come to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the torrents of living water. And we choose to let God be true and all the things in our life, contrary to his character and nature, be a lie and be exposed. When we're faithful to be self-governed, self-determined to be spirit-governed, we will find ourselves faithful in the little things. We'll do the right things because it's the right thing, not because someone's watching. And God is always watching. Ahaziah learned that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro over the face of the earth, looking to show, show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And from my own failures and my own victories, I have found that self-determination and volitional, willful choice to submit to the word of God and the spirit of God applied to our lives is the great liberty of the human experience. To be governed by God. To know the peace and the joy and the hope of being governed by God. You see, we're going to reign with him, the Bible tells us. So if we can be governed by him in time, space, and matter, we might be entrusted with a little bit more when we reign with him. Because it's all just a test. This is all just a test. This is like buds with Navy SEALs. This is all just a test. It's like Gideon's men. Life is like Gideon's men. It's a weeding out process. Who drinks the water this way? Who wants to go home and do that? Who's just like over it? Many are called, few are chosen. And the stewardship, how we handle stewardship, and on the day of accountability of our stewardship, from time, space, and matter, we'll be determining what kind of stewardship we have in eternity. 
So I say, be faithful with the little things and God will entrust you with greater things. And he may entrust you with greater things in time, space, and matter. Like David, you might flip the palace from the prison to the palace in one day. That could happen. Our God is good. But it's not about being faithful in little things so we can have greater things in time, space, and matter. It's about being faithful in little things in time to be entrusted with greater things in eternity. Which brings us to the last point. He said, if you've not been faithful, verse 11, in unrighteous mammon. So the context is money. Of course it is. But I expand it because from my perspective, time means more to me than money. And so does energy. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Oh, wait a second here, WG. Body of Christ. Look at the wording. If we've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, so the full context is money, but let's just, let's just apply that time and that energy and all of our resources, not just mammon, because it's, it's, it's reasonable. It's, it's in the nature of God. It's in the accountability to God. If we've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true, implied in the Greek, true riches? See, Jesus is drawing a contrast between temporal wealth and eternal wealth. Jesus said, throw up your treasures in heaven where thieves and moth cannot destroy them for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Solomon said, the grief of life is that you make a ton of money and you leave it for your knucklehead son. Right? That's what he said in Ecclesiastes. Having known a number of people who are very wealthy, I always remember that one time I had lunch with my good friend and he said, Joey, the problem with having a lot of money is you lay in bed and you, you worry about it and everyone's trying to take it because they are. Everyone wants to spend it, but no one wants to earn it. I'm like, wow, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you want to go surfing? <laughs> right? It's like, uh, that's how it is. Temporal riches, true riches. J.P. Morgan in his will, when it was read with his children, one of the richest men that ever lived in, uh, you know, big philanthropist and all this stuff. In his will, he said to his children, It's not the money that I leave you that matters. It's the faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I will stand before the Lord and I will see you when you come into the presence of the Lord if your faith is in the Lord. And it is by the blood of Jesus Christ, wholly by the blood of Jesus Christ, by which all my confidence from this life extends me to the next one. J.P. Morgan. The great preacher, John Whitfield, said this when he was old. He said, I forget many things, but the two things that matter most I remember. I am a dreadful sinner and I have a great savior. All this wealth that gets redistributed. My dad worked so hard and he owned property here. He, bought a, he once bought property at Lake Monticello in Charlottesville, Virginia. And, I, and you know, I said, dad, because he had it and then he sold it like 20 years later. You know, it's like he bought it for like 10 grand, sold it for 15 grand. It was all like during the 70s. And I said, dad, why do you have the property? And he goes, well, you know, son, being in the Marine Corps and all that stuff. He goes, I just decided I want to own a piece of this planet. No kidding. Yeah. Why'd you sell it? Well, I just decided I didn't need to own a piece of this planet. (laughs) Right? Dad, so practical. He's got a, he had a big sign he used to have in his house that says the wise man goes around the stump. Just practical stuff from Madison, Wisconsin, right? Grew up in the depression. Father went away to World War II. (laughs) I wanted to own a piece of this 
planet, and then I realized I don't need to own a piece of this planet. Plus, you said your mom's going to try and take it from me anyway, so <laughs> that's a little family humor there for the brands. But, uh, you know, it goes back to it all gets redistributed, right? How many times have the European border has been redistributed, European borders, in the last 120 years? You need 50 maps for the last 120 years of the redistribution and the recutting of the borders of Europe. It's someone trying to take someone from someone else, usually a war, gets redistributed, and the winners define the terms by which you go forward. It's, it's not about the wealth, as I always say, it's about the heart. The heart being in eternity. And if we're not faithful with things that are temporal, how are we going to be entrusted with something that's greater than the temporal? Since the Bible tells us that we rule and reign with him, if we're not faithful with the temporal things, and contextually, of course, it is uh, resources and wealth, if we're not faithful before the Lord, because it's all from him anyways, if we're not faithful with that, then how are we going to be entrusted by the Lord with true wealth? See, it's all a test. In the parable of the minas in Matthew 28, as we wrap up our thoughts here tonight, when, in the context of the return of the Lord, because the previous thing, the, the, the ten virgins, is contextual to the return of Christ, and the following thing is contextual as well. So we know it's contextually accountability to the Lord. The one who had five got ten, and the one who had two got four. And the co commendation for the five who got ten and the commendation for the two who got four is identical. It's not the quantity of the return in our resources. It's the quality of the heart and the service and the stewardship of those resources, stewardship of those things. Because again, God is not drawing distinction between five gets 10 or two gets four. It's not the quantity, it's the quality. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter to the joy of your Lord. So we enter into his prepare for us. Jesus said, I go to my father's house. There are many mansions. I, if it were not so, I'd tell you so, but I go to prepare a way for you. Eternity on the other side is so grand and so glorious that eye has not seen nor ear heard those things God has prepared for us. And since he tells us that we will be like him when he's revealed in his glory, and we are told that we are kings and priests with him, and we're told that we rule and reign with him, I have no idea what ruling and reigning looks like in eternity, but I am very confident that whatever you rule and reign over in eternity is a result of our faithfulness with stewardship in time. That I'm sure of. Who then is that good and faithful servant whom his master shall find at his coming? I tell you, that's the wise servant. We can't serve two masters. We can't live for the kingdom and live for the world. We can't live for the kingdom of light and live in darkness. There's no ambiguity with God. Just because you don't understand something, you say, oh, it's ambiguity. God is still light and sin is still darkness. We might make it ambiguity and gray. Our culture might make it ambiguity and gray. But God is still light and that's still darkness. Just because you don't understand, is it right or wrong? Don't get confused that somehow there's a muddled area with the living God between right and wrong. It is light and it is darkness. It is truth. It is falsehood. It is heaven. It is hell. It is all the glory and it's all the outer darkness and there is no in between. So the day of accountability of our stewardship is good to think about when we come upon it in a text. Give an account of your stewardship. What shall I do? Be faithful in the little things and be faithful with unrighteous mammon 
So when the real wealth comes around in eternity, you can be entrusted with so much more. All these stories, all these teachings are for our edification and for our lives, for what God has for us. You know, watching those Billy, some of those Billy Graham crusades and listening to Chuck's studies, I look at Billy Graham's message on the offense of the cross preached in San Francisco in 1957 in black and white. And you look around and you just see almost all those people are gone. They're gone. Billy's gone. It's all gone. It was a moment in time. And they did what they chose to do with it, even as we do what we choose to do with it. I would hope and pray that we would joyfully, lovingly, and reverently seek to fulfill every single stewardship entrusted to us. And that when that day comes along, it'll be a day of joy. Imagine how joyful it was for Joseph when he was called from the prison to the palace. Like, wait, wait, what? Oh, yeah, here's the dream. Yeah, that means this. It means seven years of famine. And, and, and Pharaoh's like, who's wiser than you? Here's the signet ring. How do you like to step into eternity and have the Lord go, hey, you, here's the signet ring. The faithful wife, the faithful praying grandmother, the faithful son. That's not how much you got. It's what you do with it is unto the Lord. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.